0: Welcome back to another episode. This is Bishop Sue Hopper Johnson. I'm excited you're here with us today. Our guest preacher, I'm very excited, is the Reverend Dr. Yvette Massey. She is the Associate Director of our Center for Clergy Excellence and an excellent preacher. And I'm very delighted to have Yvette with us today. Welcome, Yvette. And uh, thanks for taking your turn at the table.
1: Thank you, Bishop. I'm glad to be here. Uh, today,
0: Yvette's going to preach on a psalm, and I want to talk to her. I'll talk to her some about uh, psalms are great to preach, but seldom do we hear them preached. And I think she does a good job of, of how a psalm can be used effectively in preaching. Uh, the, her psalm is Psalm 31. She's focusing on verses 9 to 13. So if you want to focus on that, you're welcome to join us. And the title of her sermon is, you're in good hands and you'll see why it's called that shortly but enjoy her sermon uh, listen to it and then we'll see you uh, after she finishes and we will talk about uh, what was compelling and and um, how we might incorporate what she's preached into our lives as we head into holy week so uh, yvette massey you're in good hands
1: My brothers and sisters, what an honor and privilege it is to share with you on this Palm Sunday. Hear the word of God as recorded in Psalm 31, 9 through 16, the New Revised Standard Version. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes waste away from grief, my soul and my body also, for my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my misery and my bones waste away. I am the scorn of all my adversaries, a horror to my neighbors, an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the streets run from me. I have passed out of mind like one who is dead. I have come like a broken vessel for I hear the whispering of many terrorists all around as they scheme together against me and plot to take my life. But I trust in you, O oh Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and persecutors. Let your face shine upon your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. O oh Lord, our God, we thank you for having such trustworthy hands. And so, Lord, following the example of our Savior, Jesus the Christ, we declare you are our God. Our times are in your hand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. My brothers and sisters, since we've been in the pandemic, interesting, I have not watched much TV. At first, I've watched all my favorite shows and found some new interest. But lately, I rarely turn the TV on. And when I do, it's to watch the news or a little something before falling asleep. But one thing I enjoy almost as much as the programs is the commercials. I just adore Kroger's new Lower Than Low commercial. The inclusiveness of the animation, the catchy rhythm and the words, and there's just something about those two grandmothers going low, 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 low that just tickles me every time. But my all-time favorite commercial is from Allstate. I'm sure you know the mayhem guy, that mischievous character who shows up distraught like a teenage girl crashing through a parking lot, or a cell phone playing hide-and-seek under the car seats, or an outdated GPS that directs the driver into an accident. Yes, I'm sure you know the mayhem guy who gets drivers into, well, all kinds of mayhem, after which the tagline reassures that you're in good hands with all states. The Allstate tagline has been around since 1950 and was created by the general sales executive, David Ellis. Ellis's daughter was seriously ill and arriving at the hospital in a panic. His wife comforts him by saying the doctors will take care of her. She's in good hands. Ellis shares this experience during a board meeting and you're in good hands with Allstate was born. And so borrowing from the Allstate tagline, I want to tag this sermon, You're in Good Hands. Thinking about this commercial, although it is entertaining, I realize that this commercial speaks truth. Mayhem is all around and not just a mischievous character, but chaos, confusion, and turmoil. Mayhem is never entertaining, but is a state of rowdy disorder that is either random or deliberate, violent and or damaging. Mayhem is all around when eight people in Atlanta are shot in a spa shooting due to fears and anti-Asian bias. Mayhem is what the Texans experience in the winter storm and the skyrocketing electric bills. We live with mayhem when skin color is weaponized and criminalized and although some perpetrators are in jail and going to trial, we are still fighting for justice for George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and so many more. We experience mayhem as we watch the U.S. Capitol taken by storm, windows broken, things stolen, and bodily fluids left in the hallways. We have mayhem in our church, even, as we face a pending split and argue over who gets a seat at the table. We feel the effects of mayhem with this pandemic as over a half million persons have died from COVID-19 in the United States and 123 million cases worldwide with almost 3 million deaths. Yes, yes. The Allstate commercial is right. Mayhem is all around, but it's comforting to know that in the midst of mayhem, we are in good hands because we're in God's hands. In our text, the psalmist is in the midst of mayhem, but through it all, he reminds himself that he's in good hands because he's in God's hands. This passage may seem out of place on Palm Sunday when we are used to celebrating with palms and waving children and adults joyfully proclaiming Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. It is the day when Jesus takes, not a stately ride on a majestic stallion, but an humble ride on a lowly colt into Jerusalem. The streets are crowded because it's nearing the time of the Passover and the people are lining the streets with their cloaks, giving Jesus an entry fitting for a king. Can't you see the parade of people filled with excitement, waving palm fronds and shouting, hail, hail, Lion of Judah, hail, Time I imagine this to be but lingering here too long gives us a vaccinated view of holy week because those of us who are familiar with this story know that cancel culture is about to burst forth as shouts of crown him crown him change to crucify him crucify him and although it may be holy week for us for Jesus. All mayhem breaks loose and he finds himself wearing a crown of thorns and crying out, Father, into thy hands, I commend my spirit. And here is where our text picks up. Scholars suggest that Jesus is quoting Psalm 31 5 when he says these words and they surmise that he probably quoted the entire psalm. Jesus, after having Alexander's terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day times 10, uses the words of the psalmist, not just looking for good hands, but looking for God's hands. Because Jesus utters these words in a deathbed prayer and the somber nature of this psalm, many associate this psalm with death. But taking a closer look, we discover that this psalm is not about death, but about life and how to trust God in the midst of hard and chaotic and confusing times, mayhem. There are times when our lives when things don't end up like they began, sickness, death. Divorce, wayward children and delinquent parents, job loss or whatever, turns your holy week into holy hell. Rather than spiral into a dark place, the psalmist personifies what Jesus went through and shows us how to get through the going through. Psalm 31 provides an appropriate backdrop for Jesus's passion. The psalm is a prayer by one who suffers unjustly and in that suffering puts complete trust in God. Verses 9 through 13 give a litany of symptoms of distress that suggests sickness, depression, or perhaps persecution. Out of depression, the psalmist laments that his body and his vision fail because of grief and he's weak from suffering. He is a joke to his enemies. His friends are afraid of him and many already regard him as dead. He hears the whisper of gossip and is terrified by the plot to kill him. Yet something remarkable happens. Even though his vision fails from grief, he can still see that God can be trusted. Even though his body fails and his bones are all dried up, he can still feel that God is faithful even while he is broken he can still piece together that God is dependable even though his ears are filled with the gossip of his foes he can still hear that God is reliable so in the midst of mayhem he decides to trust God and knows that no matter what God is his God and his times are in God's hands Despite all the personal distress, the physical pain, the failure of his friends and the hit on his life, the psalmist decides, I am not giving up on you, Lord. You are still my God. Now, putting my life and all my times in the hands of God because God can be trusted. In times when everything seems to be changing and little can be trusted, isn't it good to know that God is trustworthy? In times when it seems like the world is being shaken up and life and relationship and ministry as we know it is turned upside down, isn't it good to know that God can be depended on? Jesus, through the psalmist, voices complete trust in God despite the circumstances, At this point, there is no plea for deliverance, but rather a claiming of God as his own. And in doing so, he acknowledges that God has control of his life. Now, this doesn't mean that he has no choices, but it does mean that he rests assured in whatever God chooses to do. Whether God chooses to deliver him from his circumstances or deliver him through his circumstances, he trusts the Lord. So be it. Reflecting on this song and imagining the sacrifice of Jesus, I can't help but hear remnants of Wesley's covenant prayer. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing or put me to suffering. Let me be exalted for thee or about low for thee. Let me be full for thee or empty for thee. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine. And I am thine, so be it. Hearing these words, this is clearly a prayer of surrender. But it is also a prayer of trust and dependence on God. Thinking about Jesus and what this week held for him. After the fanfare of the palms, betrayal hangs heavy around him. Enemies taunt him and his close friends abandon him in terror. No comforting words from the passerby's. But if Jesus had prayed this entire psalm, these words would have provided an inner peace that compelled him to trust in God and place himself in God's hands. The image of hands is important in Psalm 31. The New Interpreter's Bible suggests that hands means to grasp or power. The hand or power of God is contrasted with the hands of the enemy in this text. Jesus knew that even when he was literally in the clutches of his foe, they could not grasp him or possess him. They might seize him, but they could not hold him. He knew that he was not in the hand of the enemy, but in the hand of God. You see, the bad news is that opposing hands are real in our lives and they must be dealt with. But the good news is that God's hand is greater in power and always prevails. And when we place ourselves in God's hands, God will never let us go. For not only is the hand of God powerful and mighty to save, but the hand of God is keeping and embracing, comforting and caring. Jesus knew this. The psalmist knew this. And I hope you know this too. Because they utterly trusted in God, they rested in the security of God's hands. Even through Haman, Even though mayhem was all around and the enemy soundtrack was mocking and hissing and destruction and death, on Jesus's playlist was, I know that I can make it. I know that I can stand. No matter what may come my way, my life is in God's hands. Even though the enemy rejoiced to the tune of a crown of thorns, Jesus rested and great is thy faithfulness. Oh God, my father, all I have needed, thy hand has provided Although our text ends with verse 16, praise be to God that this is not the end of the psalm. The psalmist places himself in God's hands, was empowered to endure and to invite others to do the same. It seems that the psalmist knew something that at the end of Holy Week, we all too will know, and that is this. Not only does God hold him, but God's got the whole world in God's hands. So trust God, put yourself in God's hands because God can be trusted. You see, God's hands can reach the unreachable. God's hands can touch the untouchable. God's hands can move the unmovable, use the unusable, heal the unhealable, change the unchangeable. My brothers and my sisters, Be strong and take courage. All you who wait on the Lord, trust in the Lord and have no fear because surely you're in good hands. Amen and amen.
0: Yvette, um, you're in good hands. Well, I love the way, you know, one way I think to snag a congregation is to you know, what's, what's our common language? What's our common, uh, what, and one thing that we all are, or most of us, unless you live under a rock, right. Have, (laughs) have heard TV commercials. And so, uh, the one, uh, you've mentioned a couple of them. I, I share your joy with the Kroger one, uh, with the little people (laughs) low, 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 and, you know, kind of dancing around. Uh, but then you settle on, uh, the, the really, uh, always, uh, always disturbing, but always compelling uh, mayhem ads from all states. So, kind of tell me what led your mind to that.
1: Well, when I was looking at the psalm, one of the things that seemed to be a common thread in that psalm was hands. There was the imagery of God's mm-hmm. hands, which Jesus quotes in 31 5. But then there was this comparison between God's hands and the enemy's hands, and right. it just caught my attention. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, for whatever reason, my mind just immediately went to the psalmist thinking in the midst of all of this calamity, but I trust in you, Lord, my times are in your hands. You're in good hands, right? All, all right. state, you know, right. cause it's, it's a tagline for all state. Yeah. It's and I love the David,
0: <laughs> David Ellis story, 1950 mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. he had been in the hospital and the doctor had said, you're in good hands, right?
1: His, his son, It was his, his daughter, his, his daughter, daughter was, was in the, in the hospital. hospital. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And, um, so, you know, sometimes our our most compelling uh, ads come out of our own lives and our own lived experience. Uh, I thought this was interesting. And I don't know if you know the history of the word mayhem, but this is useless. useless, Well, not useless because now it kind of bears, bears fruit. But uh, when I was in law school in my criminal law class, I remember studying the crime of mayhem, which is, Mm -hmm. it is a crime. And now it's really just riotous, uh, very destructive behavior. But uh, it also comes, it has another era of when, you know, as we head into Holy Week, we see religious leaders who go tragically astray, right? Mm-hmm. They, they really uh, focus on destroying God. Mm-hmm. And uh, another era like that was the um, Crusades, right? That was when, you know, uh, it would really be good to make people choose Jesus or kill them if they don't, you know, that, that really bad, uh, right. religious Theology. leaders, mm-hmm. but that's where mayhem comes from that, uh, as the crusaders would go through the towns on their way to Jerusalem, as they would, go, I mean, they traveled the countryside, they'd ride through towns and they'd usually find the Jewish areas of those towns or, you know, where the infidels were the Muslims, the Jews, and they would ride on horseback and they just let their swords out and they would just cut. They go through crowds of people with their swords down, and that is the crime of mayhem. Isn't that Ooh, gross? That that is gross. You just ride your horse through a huge group of people and cut off cut off whatever you hit, and so mayhem is really a disturbing crime. Um, and there's a there's a wantonness and a uh, you know I'm just slashing at anything I can hit. Uh, It really is a horrible, horrible crime that in modern days now is more just, you know, general general riotous behavior. But uh, I thought it was interesting that mayhem has, uh, you know, much like Holy Week, has its seeds in a chapter of Christianity or a chapter of the story of God unfolding through Jesus Christ that is uh, really abhorrent. And so I thought, gosh, without even (laughs) probably knowing that sick history of mayhem, you landed on it. But yeah, that's, there's a Christian, uh, bad Christian imagery to mayhem. So, uh, which I think is something to reflect on uh, because, you know, Christians uh, through the ages, religious people, uh, we can be easily misled, right? And and let our own belief system get dangerous and um, not of God. So, uh, yeah, the mayhem stuff is, is disturbing, but uh, going back to the character mayhem, who uh, is, is always compelling. <laughs> um, and then the, you know, I love how all state figured out that mayhem is unpredictable mm-hmm. and crazy, and you never know where destruction is coming from and what better than insurance, right? To kind of <laughs> speak to that. So talk to us about you're in good hands with
1: Allstate and and what kind of insurance the psalmist points to. Well, you know, and when Allstate introduced that mayhem character. They actually received a lot of pushback because they were the the people who were responding were used to, you know, that one very comforting voice and did not want to embrace mayhem, but Allstate's idea was that mayhem is real and even though right. we're presenting it in an entertaining fashion, this is real everyday life, mm-hmm. and that's what we see in this psalm. Real everyday life: mm-hmm. people who are feeling, especially we can see that even now, people who are feeling detached, people who are feeling alone and isolated, people who are feeling um, persecuted, like the psalmist does. And so, what is just so interesting about this psalm is that even though the eyes were wasting away from grief, and you know the body and the bones were dried out because of what was happening, in the Midst of all of that, this psalmist could still see that there was a source of hope. And that Mm -hmm. hope was in God's hands. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, it even moved away from you know looking for deliverance, looking for a way out, but knowing that as I sit in this space, Mm -hmm. I'm in God's hands, and that's a good place to be. that was how I, you know, connected the two. And just because of everything that we are experiencing, you know, be, except for the time that my mom was here, spending almost a year alone, you know, at home, makes sure, you, you know, think about some things, you know, the number of persons who have been impacted by COVID, you know, the number of struggles that people are having in their family, it does seem like mayhem you know, mm-hmm. not the crime, but mayhem in general, it's, right. it's everywhere. looking at the shootings and the things that are going on, where is our relief? Where can mm-hmm. we run mm-hmm. always to God's hands? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and I think, you know, the unpredictable nature of it, you know, I think mm-hmm. a lot of us, you know, we got along with, um, okay, I can deal with COVID. I can, you know, take practical, take practices. I can, isolate myself as much as I can. But then we had George Floyd murder. Right. And, you know, and then keep overlaying it, you know, Uh, insurrection, like you mentioned, voter fraud, uh, you know, bad legislation, all the stuff that just keeps piling on. uh, And I think that um, what the psalmist too cries out against is just, it just feels like piling on. It just feels like this constant kind of, of, um, bad news on every front. And Mm -hmm. certainly, um, you know, anybody listening to this sermon has their own list of, you know, where, where am I feeling unsettled? Right. There is a sense of, um, just anxiety. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm amazed at the, um, just the level of anxiety, in our culture, across the board, the level of medication people are on, the level of mental health care. Uh, I, although one bright spot I did see this week that last week was the first week in the in the pandemic when alcohol sales went down. Okay, so
1: <laughs> one that was because the sun was out
0: and we could get outside. <laughs> yeah, maybe you know, maybe that's a blip. But but I do think that in every person, in a different way, is just. Failing, trying to figure out where do I put my trust? Where do I, you know, is there, is there something to tie
1: my anchor to mm-hmm. in this crazy time? And that's, I think, one of the beautiful things about the Psalms, because, you know, the Psalms can really take you to a heavy and a low place, but it's not descriptive to the very detail. And because it's not descriptive down to the very detail, mm-hmm. I think it's a way where people can insert themselves into that and identify with those feelings, even though it's a completely different situation. But in this case, the solution is still the same. The mm-hmm. anchor to where we connect or the hand to which we hold is God's hand. Right. And the consistency of God's hand, the never failingness of not God's mm-hmm. hand. Because if you mm-hmm. read that Psalm in its entirety, the psalmist does testify to the fact of, you know, well, God has done some great things. And right. so because you've done right. this, you know, I have a history with you. So I feel confident in this time connecting and holding on to you because I know you're going to hold on to me.
0: Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this Psalm is one thing that, you know. We have to remember about Jesus as a rabbi, Jesus as a um, observant Jew is he had memorized most of the Psalms. That was part Mm -hmm. of the religious training. Now, can you imagine having memorized all 150 Psalms, but he, um, this was this, you know, it's interesting in the temptation that he, he went back to the Psalms when he confronted Mm -hmm. Satan and here on the cross, uh, clearly he is, um, um, pulling from his deep wealth of scripture for comfort. And mm-hmm. it's interesting that he picks this song.
1: And, you know, sometimes when, and thinking about, you know, Jesus and what he was able to accomplish, it, it just seems, you know, completely unmatchable. You know, I could just never do what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I think he shows us is, you know, oftentimes I know I do when I'm in the midst of anxiety, when I'm in the midst of trouble, I pray like the average person, Lord, deliver me from this. But what Jesus shows us is that deliverance can also come through it. right? And that's I love the that. very hard mm-hmm. thing. But when you do come through it, it's a beautiful thing because you've grown in your relationship with God, you've grown in even your understanding of yourself and you, you mm-hmm. just come out so different. And I think so much better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think too, um, one thing that I love about the Psalms is it always, um, talks about, you know, the images of God, cause here, God's not just the hands, but the rock, you know, I, I love mm-hmm. that. But then, um, uh, there's a line in this Psalm, I will exult and rejoice in your steadfast love that the psalmist always, um, realizes and and sings about god's incredible love for us that will see us through and um you know that uh, that god's love doesn't mean like you say i'll be delivered from all things but god's love will see me through and um and then the power of the resurrection, but we don't have to go there yet. And, that, <laughs> right. and now we can talk about, I mean, uh, as a pastor, to me, the heart of Sunday to preach is Palm Sunday. Mm-hmm. Because you um, you realize a lot of folks are, are going to go from Palm Sunday and not come to any services Holy Week and then come back on Easter. And that just seems like short circuiting the whole heart of the faith, which is suffering uh, and, 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 um, that, uh, resurrection follows death mm-hmm. and to, to not confront the death part, I think short changes the faith. And so, um, I would always try on Palm Sunday and it really is Palm Passion Sunday, try to pack a lot into a Sunday, right? Right. But to, to move from the, the triumphant high note of, of, of the Palm, uh, you know, Jesus coming into Jerusalem to the, you know, to the passion, to the, we're right into it. And, um, so how, you know, I, I think the Psalm was a good lever into that.
1: And normally as a, as a pastor, I too would preach the Palm Sunday part Mm -hmm. of the Palm Passion Sunday. And experience what you said. It's almost like, you know, we leap from joy to joy, but there right. was a whole, whole <laughs> underside right. of that week. And so but thinking that this came you know, after after the triumphal entry still does allow some type of connection to the Palm Sunday. It does give people right. a measure of time to celebrate. But. Moving to the passion helps us to, I think, look at it from perhaps what Jesus might have been seeing because he knows that, OK, this is going to be short lived. You know, mm-hmm. These, mm-hmm. some of these same people that are saying crown me, crown him, hail King Jesus are going to be some of the ones who are going to be persuaded to step away from me. Mm-hmm. And so um, mm-hmm. while he may not in his humanness know exactly what's going to happen, we, we can get feelings about things. We kind of know how yeah, some yeah. People, he knows there's a hit on his life. He knows that they are trying to kill him, especially right. after that Lazarus stunt. I mean, you know, who does that? Yeah. So he yeah. knew that they were coming after him. And so this helps us to kind of walk a little more with Jesus in this mm-hmm. week up to mm-hmm. the resurrection.
0: Mm-hmm. And I find that the events of Holy Week, you know, yeah, we have some exulting times in our lives. But uh, to me, the really compelling who hasn't been betrayed by a friend yeah. who hasn't, who hasn't had affirmation of a crowd or affirmation of folks who eventually turn away from you. Disappointment, things not turning out like you thought they would um, mockery all I, you know, uh, uh, political systems that fail the people. Religious systems that fail the people, uh, religious leaders who go astray, you know, it's all in there. So to me, the compelling part of Christianity is Holy Week because, mm-hmm. because it, it's so gritty. It's so, you know, that's, that's the part that uh, gets us and that discourages us. And that really, if you don't realize what a part of Christianity that is, you just think it's pie in the sky, you know, that this is just not relevant.
1: I think that this this Holy Week, thinking about it through Palm Sunday, Passion Sunday, and then on to the resurrection, I think in a way it can personify, you know, the human condition. You know, we have our Palm Sunday, you know, mm-hmm. that that's our our public face, you know, you know who I want you to see, who I want you to think I am. But then we move into the passion, you know, this is the real nitty gritty, you know, this is where I really fall short. Here's, you know, my hangups, my shortcomings, the things that I may be embarrassed about or hurt right, someone to right. learn about who I am or what I engage in, but the key to all of that, that there is redemption. And I think that also comes out in this psalm as well, mm-hmm. the pain, the hurt, the deliverance either from or through, but the redemption is always there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing I appreciated about your sermon is you had a point, you know, it was, <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> Well, and and, you know, every time I've taught preaching or, or evaluated preaching, you know, I always say, write your last line, figure out where you're going with it. And then, because once you had the idea of you're in good hands, um, then, you know, your whole sermon hangs on that. And, Mm -hmm. And to me, that's something, and it makes a sermon memorable, right? so now every time I see mayhem on TV, I'll think, Oh, Oh yeah. I heard a sermon and the (laughs) focus of it was this, but, but the whole point was you're in good hands and it's not just, you know, an insurance company that I have to pay big premiums to, but Mm -hmm. it's God. And, you know, and, and so um, I know I've mentioned, I think I've mentioned on this podcast before, but when I, and I love this sermon because when I was a child, my image of God was just, uh, and, and, you know, I would go to bed at night and I vividly remember this as a child lying in my bed and envisioning my little bed in the palm of God's hand, this huge oh, wow. hand. And, and, and I did that this week. I mean, I was, I had some stuff that was just making me really unsettled. And so I've just, you know, retreated back to my childhood practice and there was something tremendously comforting about the image of being nestled in the big protective hand, yes. and, and, and so I didn't need to worry about you know I never had a view of God as gendered I never had a view of God the hand was very compelling to me and I, I remember I I led a group of nurses to in, in caregiving and I used that story and a friend of mine who had invited me to talk to them gave me it's a it's a big hand and then there's a mm-hmm. child nestled in it. Uh-huh. And, and, and that to me, you know, that's not your everyday image, but that's that resonated with me. So and talk that, about the hand, you know, the you know, he's got the whole world in his hands, got mm-hmm. me in the palm of his hands. You know, there's that, that is a that is an image, I think, that's
1: that goes across cultures. You know, that's an image from my childhood is holding my dad's hand mm-hmm. and just my, my whole hand fitting inside my dad's hand and I just Mm -hmm. remember how I would feel when we would be walking holding on to my dad's hand I, Mm I mean it felt like there was no nothing I couldn't do no one could get to me you know and it was just something special and comforting about holding my dad's hand, something. And so I, you know, see that also in this text, there's another scripture and I I regret that. I can't remember where it is, but it talks about how God has written our names in the palm of God's hands. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I was reading once this, it was something on grief and the author had written, you know, that our, our names, our surnames are etched in God's hands, mm-hmm. like stretch marks on our mothers. And what? what that said to me was just the permanency, but also the sacrifice of love. Right. And so, you know, when I, when I think about hands, you know, you know, hands communicate a lot, you know, but also you know, the right hand of fellowship, you know, means acceptance, you know, in the church, mm-hmm. that's what we right. call Right. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, know? yeah. And so, it, it, you know, it means you're welcome, means you're accepting, you know, when you wave, that means that you're, you know, forming community. And right. so when I think about that, you know, and think about in God's hands, mm-hmm. how much more acceptance is that? How much more security is that? How much more, you know, family and protection do we find, you know, in God's hands? But the biggest thing for me is that in God's hands, it's room enough for everybody. Right. While right. we try to figure out, you know, who can come to the table, you know, who has a right to sit down. God says, listen, folks, it's a room enough up everybody yeah. in my hands. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, and, and to go back to the hand imagery, I was thinking, um, when I was a child, how often, you know, you have a few fevers as a child. And I remember, mm-hmm. I remember my mother's hands cool, you know, and, mm-hmm. and vivid memory, vivid memory of, of, um, Comfort, tenderness of a cool hand when you have a fever, uh, and, and um, you know, I, 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 my mind immediately went to Luke twenty-three. Where what's Jesus, Jesus's final words? Mm-hmm. Father, into God. your hands I commend my spirit. Yes, so that um, that I am not my own. You know, let's move into the covenant prayer that mm-hmm. that um, God is God is um, holding me guiding me, catching me. I mean, think of the hand imagery, guiding, leading, you know, taking mm-hmm. by the hand, catching you when you fall, all of the, that. So I would, I would love it if folks listening, this just over the course of Holy Week, think about, you know, how hands have comforted you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when you fall down as a child, you got the hands brushing you off. Mm-hmm. you off. You have the hands that are, you know, I think of my grandmother's hands, I, you know, it's just vividly, um,
1: of her cutting, preparing food, you know, that's exactly what I was about to say. When you were talking about the hands on your face, immediately I went to my grandmother's hands and the imagery I have is flour on her hands, making biscuits, which communicates love and provision, you know, for her family. So absolutely. Yeah.
0: I mean, just so many things that, um, that, hands evoke and then you know the wizened hands of the farmer the rough hands the hardworking hand I, I you know you we could write volumes on that but um yeah so so think about this week those of you who are listening through holy week the hand whose hands are you in and mm-hmm. who whose hands are you taking to lead to the faith whose hands have you you know i still remember uh my grandfather, when my grandfather died, I was in my early twenties and my grandfather had beautiful hands, Mm -hmm. you know, and I still remember looking at him as he was laid out, prepared for burial and looking at his hands, it was compelling. So they're memorable. They're powerful images of care and connection Mm -hmm. and trust. And, you know, um, and so the Psalmist takes us to those places to remind us that even in the midst of mayhem, even the midst of unpredictable craziness, even, you know, even when, uh, what God's my, even when my part in God's story is hard or long Mm -hmm. or troubled, um, that God's got this and he's got us in his hands.
1: And that is, is just so powerful because when I, when I hear that. I do think of Wesley's prayer. And I often heard that, you know, so be it, you know, at the end of the prayer as, you know, a surrender and it is surrender, but reading it through the lens of the Psalm, I also recommend, I understand that it's a a statement of trust, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'm surrendering, but I also trust you to do what is best for me. Yeah. And sometimes that's a hard place to sit, especially when our part in God's story, as you just said, is hard.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, perhaps our prayer this week should be, you know what, I'm putting myself in your hands mm-hmm. and, and that will be enough. And Amen. so what better way to prepare through Holy Week and to read Holy Week through that lens? Because, um, uh, I, I meet with a spiritual director once a month and this week we talked about, uh, Jesus in Gethsemane. Mm-hmm and um you know we always read that the disciples were asleep and he was alone but mary oliver wrote a great poem about how you know the bird the birds encompassed jesus with their cry uh, the wind surrounded him with its you know so even then he was in god's hands yes and uh, yes. i think that um you know uh so think about that ponder that in your you know it takes some time and And, you know, uh, and maybe hum to yourself as you do it. He's got the whole world
1: in his hands. It's another great song. Absolutely. Something we can learn from the world of children that, you know, it's not just a song. Indeed, God has us in the palm of God's hand.
0: Well, thank you, Yvette. And blessings in this Holy Week. Thank you for a great sermon and uh, have a joyous Easter. Okay. Thank you so much, Bishop. You too. Okay. Take care. The Table is produced by Sybil Davison and edited by Kim Drobes Music is by Chuck Bell Thank you and I look forward to the next time we are together